Hey guys, Montel here, and welcome to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. I'm so psyched to have my guest on today because my guest has a big history. He transitioned from an extensive career in traditional healthcare to the cannabis industry. He held leadership roles at numerous public companies and brings a wealth of knowledge to his new role as a CEO of Botanical Sciences, Georgia's first physician-owned, vertically integrated cannabis company. Gary Long, thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today, sir. Hey, thank you, Montel. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Look, before we get dive in, let's let's get a little bit about you. Let's talk a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Yeah, uh, originally from Hollywood, Florida. Uh, my dad took a transfer to Atlanta in the mid-70s. We moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and I'd spent my entire um, school age years in Atlanta and then eventually uh, went to Auburn University as an undergraduate and graduated there in the early 90s. And then, like you said, kind of jumped into what was a, uh, a growing healthcare technology field at that time, because back then, everybody will remember, you know, there was nothing but uh, paper records that people had on their healthcare. And I got to ride that wave through my career in a few companies and just helping kind of digitize healthcare. Um, so it's been a great ride. And then uh, this most recent move in the last couple of years, moving into the cannabis space has been incredible. Let me let's um, talk. Let's, let's stop right there for a second. Let's talk about that. I yeah. mean, okay, you're working in high tech medical yeah. field. And all of a sudden you said, hmm, I heard about this stuff called cannabis. No, it didn't happen that way. How did it happen? <laughs> well, um, you know, had plenty of experiences earlier in my life, you know, with cannabis recreationally and um you know, I never really thought about it as a medicine because, I mean, I grew up in the generation where it was, you know, just say no to drugs. Sure. Um, and so, you know, over the years, starting to see and hear how cannabis, cannabis was being used in a healthcare setting um, was pretty intriguing to me. And um, Dr. Fowler, who's the founder of our company, um, he and I actually were college roommates at Auburn. So back in the late 80s and early 90s. So as our careers developed and we stayed in touch um, back, uh, I would say just around 2018, 2019, as he was starting to think about his next step in his career, uh, we heard that Georgia was going to be going through this medicinal cannabis process. And we thought it was a perfect fit for especially his background as a pain practitioner or anesthesiologist. And then eventually, um, if the, the moon's aligned, uh, potentially my involvement as well. So initially, I was just operating in almost like an advisory capacity to help him stand up the company. But then uh, things kind of all came together when uh, Botanical Sciences got awarded the license. And then Robin asked me to take over as the CEO. So incredible how things work together, isn't it? Absolutely. And I guess you probably did some extensive research yourself looking at it from a medicinal standpoint, right? Yeah, totally. Um, You know, and especially on the heels of the opioid crisis, like a lot of folks, it opened my eyes to really the the craziness that has gone on in our country for the last probably 20 years with uh, the pharmaceutical industry and and how they have operated in many ways and it's not necessarily just on their shoulders there's a whole complex of companies and an industry built around this so the mere fact that we could be you know uh selling a product um to treat patients who have severe disease and to give them relief without having to take a uh, an extremely uh, dangerous pharmaceutical drug, you know, I think it's how could you not get on board with something like that? 
So Gary, tell me just a little bit about botanical sciences. Well, first off, I think what we ought to do is first talk about the difference in the Georgia state law and some of the other laws, and then tell me about botanical sciences. Yeah, sure. Be happy to. Um, you know, Georgia went through its process uh, just before the pandemic in 1920 and then eventually in 21. And, and our state's a bit unique in that it's a low THC oil. So there is, it's 5% is the max uh, percentage. But uh, that doesn't necessarily hinder us as a company um, or patients for that matter. Um, and, you know, look, it's, 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 it's good. The fact that we're out selling products today, um, we're super pleased about. Um, our state is generally conservative in nature, but is becoming more progressive as it relates to the conditions, the uses, the lessening of severity of disease that they have for some of the qualifying conditions. One of the most unique things about our market, um, unlike any other state, quite honestly, is that we can actually dispense our products through independent pharmacy. Um, so this has gotten a tremendous amount of uh, interest from other states and quite honestly, at the federal level, that um, the Georgia Board of Pharmacy, which governs the pharmacies in our state, um, authorized that as part of the law. So not only are we dispensing our products in our own dispensaries, which we have five, um, but we're also authorized to sell through these independent pharmacies. And actually, it, the way the law reads, Montel, is that it's any pharmacy, but it just so happens because independents are locally owned and operated and are not kind of getting federal dollars, that they feel like they're equipped to be able to jump in with both feet. Um, and we've, we've taken great advantage of that. They've been uh, great to work with in the sense that uh, these are enterprising business owners, many of them, and they operate in urban, suburban, rural settings all over the state. So right now we have nearly 140 pharmacy partners that are carrying our products exclusively in addition to our five pharmacies. So we create this incredible network of access almost instantaneously in our state. And that gives you a footprint to cover yep. almost the entire state. Well, not the entire the state. The entire state. Yeah. And in fact, um, the statistic that we ran recently was about 90% of the state's population is now within a 30-minute drive of obtaining our products. That's incredible. And I should say for 100% complete disclosure to all of our listeners out there that I've kind of partnered with Botanical Sciences to bring my Inspire product line to Georgia patients along yep. with uh, your products. And the, the products that we're going to be putting out are still being approved because each one of them has to be approved at the state level first. That's correct. Right? Yeah. And we're so looking forward to that when that happens. That'll be later this year, but uh, we're really excited for that opportunity. I am so excited about yeah. this opportunity also. And, and I should also say, again, complete disclosure, I've been down to the state now a couple of times for your openings of each individual uh, dispensary that you've opened. And I've got to tell you, guys, I, I think there is an example here in Georgia that the rest of the country could stop and take a look at. Let's go back for a second to that 5% THC. That's 5% by volume, yep. correct? Correct. That's correct. And, and so like, you know, if patients require a higher level of dosing, then obviously they'll just be able to consume a little bit more than your traditional. So the forms of the product come in like tinctures and topicals and capsules and lozenges now. And then we sell them in different varying potencies of THC to CBD. Uh, concentration. So patients like that have a lot of neuromuscular disease, MS, Parkinson's, those types of things uh, require a larger uh, dosage. 
And so those folks that we are working with who consume our products are just taking a higher, uh, a larger percentage of the, of the uh, drug. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I tell you, I, I um, noticed that, I mean, first off, at the turnout to your events, you have politicians, you have local officials, you have lots of people who are patients who actually show up to hear more. Um, I, I did think that part of the law is a little strange in the sense that it says no edibles, but you can have a tincture. So it's, you put a tincture in your mouth, so that's an edible. But yeah. I, I, are we working at, at expanding the yeah. delivery system? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a great point, and you know, far be it for me. I I thought you could apply logic to a a, a business that uh, when you deal with the state government and politics, and it's like I don't get it. Um, but mm-hmm. like I said earlier, this our state is open to changing its mind and opening this up a bit. Um, we've got a legislative session that starts in January, and I know things like this are going to be on the docket. You know, there will be the opportunity to increase the the use the uses the delivery methods. Um, to broaden the set of diseases that are on the registry, you name it. So I think we're going to see a progression, not unlike other states. I mean, many states that started with a medicinal program went really slow and conservative to start and then eventually progressed into, you know, a much broader and and widely uh, uh, used system. So we're we're excited for that opportunity. Um, But you're right. I mean, today we can sell a lozenge which you know contains the 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 combination whatever is thc to, to cbd in it and uh you know you're not allowed to chew that product because you have to just uh, let it dissolve in your mouth uh, the way the state refers to it as a dissolvable form um, but i would say eventually we're going to be having the opportunity to introduce um like gel gels and those types of things also other dissolvable forms of the product we're currently working on today are things that would mix into a drink as an example um, if you're, if you're familiar with those types of products that you can buy in a, sure. a store today. So those are things that are coming down the pike in, in addition to almost like a Zycam dissolvable tablet. If ever, you ever consume that type of a product, of course, yeah. mm-hmm. um, a Listerine strip type of a product too. I'm using these brand names, but you get the point. Um, sure. so those all are acceptable forms of use today. And we're in the process of R and D quite a few of those in addition to the line that we carry already. And now in Georgia, smokable or vapable is not uh, available. Correct. Correct. (laughs) No smoke, no vape, um, and no quote-unquote edibles today. Do you think that this state will turn the corner and allow for vaping and for for smokables or not? You know, uh, I would say not this year, albeit I don't want to get ahead of what, you know, the the legislative session might unfold with. But um, I just don't anticipate there's going to be smoking or vaping um, in 2024 in Georgia. But that doesn't mean in the future, you know, it, it would change. Right. Because, you know, things change. Governments change. Uh, the mindset of a population changes. So um, we hope at some point in the future, especially for this medicinal <laughs> use case. Right. There are mm-hmm. patients who are consuming these products today in our state. And they're largely buying the products outside of Georgia, or they're buying them from the illicit market. Uh, and that's something, that's something that we found is is a little bit I don't know I wouldn't even call it that. That's one of those things that I think the state's going to have to reconcile yeah. and deal with very quickly because because of the farm bill, yes, and the hemp based produced products, there are products like that available in right. other stores, right? That's right. I'll tell you, Montel, that to me, it's one of the, the, the most confusing things for the patients of our state 
is that today we have a completely unregulated um, intoxifying hemp industry. And so that's the Delta 8, Delta 9, you know, Delta 10, THCA products where you can essentially legally consume a, uh, a flower product today. And it's bizarre because there's zero regulations, as I said. Um, and in some of the dialogue that I've had with uh, some of the top politicians in the state, um, they're not happy about it. I think there's some interest in creating controls and regulations around it, which is probably good news for everybody. Um, but it is creating mass confusion among the population that those products are the same as the ones that we're selling, which they're not. Which is not. They're not. There's no controls, right? There's absolutely zero you know, oversight on how they're produced, whether right. um, they use a cost of chemicals. Hold on a second. It's my little puppy, sorry. So, I mean, I, a lot of these products, and, and, you know, though I am not purchased any and I would not consume any from any other place other than a licensed state authorized facility, you know, I, I think this is something that we got to shout out to all of the consumers in the state. If you're in Georgia, I'm telling you, you're buying something from a bodega or you're buying something from a 7-Eleven or I'm not knocking the, that brand name, but if you're buying something from one of these little kiosk places, and it says that this is a hemp-based Delta 9, you need to check yourself because you have no idea how this was processed. Man, that's so true. Um, in, in many of the conversations I've had with some of the top officials in our state who manage large departments, um, in fact, the words were said to me is like, don't let your friends or your family consume a lot of these products because um, a lot of what is being sold in Georgia is actually being dumped here from other states that have outlawed it. And so there is has been zero regulations on the purity, the 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 lack of solvents and heavy metals and microbials and those types of things in those products, let alone the fact you don't even know where it's been grown. Some products that are in our country were coming from China and from Mexico. And so, again, by themselves, I think there are plenty of companies out there who do sell high quality products. But today, without any regulation or controls, it's kind of a free for all. And I hate that for the people of our state and other states that haven't regulated these products yet. And, you know, I mean, clearly botanical sciences does differentiate itself from a lot of these other producers. I know there are other licensees that are there that are selling products, but I've not seen anything that comes close to the quality of the products that you guys are putting on the shelves. Well, thank you for that. It's a deliberate um, attempt because especially when you're entering, an, entering a state that is uh, conservative in the deep south, um, you know, we wanted to make sure that the approach that we took reflected the, um, the values that we have and to make sure that people understood that we actually treat this like a medicine. Our company is founded by a physician. Everything we do puts the patient at the center of the journey. And so, you know, I want I want my mother and my family to feel comfortable taking these products, just like I would if it was somebody in your family. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, I think some of the products that you have, I, I'm when I was in the dispensary, I like the fact that I'm not standing in a place where I've got 75 different, I don't know what you call them, the, the way that some of these products have been named in other states is just yeah. crazy. And the fact that you are straightforward, this is like being in anybody's pharmacy. Honestly, it's like being in an independent pharmacy rather than being in a dispensary. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it, it, it was intentional. Um, as you know, you know, Dr. Fowler, 
just the mere fact that you know we've approached this as a medicinal market because it is and being in a relatively conservative state we wanted to make things simple and easy to understand um and have people feel good about the products that they're going to buy um and you know look uh, you know i i think about it in terms of whether my own family or your family or you know friends and family of ours would be consuming these products so we want to put the best possible products out into the market uh, make sure that the people have all of the necessary information that they need to make good educated decisions with their healthcare, and that's really the the basis for the company and how we operate absolutely well tell me a little bit about the landscape in georgia right now how many companies are there uh, i know you yeah. have uh, botanical sciences has one of only what is it now two yeah there's, there's licenses Correct. Yeah, there's two companies um, that are authorized to actually produce and dispense. And these are integrated licenses, like you said at the beginning, uh, seed to sale. So we do everything from manufacturing the products, uh, processing, and then distribution and dispensing. Um, so there's one other company that has that capability, and that's a large MSO. Um, our state has four other licenses that are called class two licenses. We possess a class one license. And those um, authorizations for those companies was just issued last week. So there's a total of six companies. Those other four that I mentioned won't be selling products into probably the first quarter of 2024. Um, so, you know, we've been at this now for the better part of uh, a year. And uh, so we feel good about where we are as an industry. And the, and the fact that our state, quite honestly, has taken a, an approach to have a limited number of license holders that are fully integrated in nature. So that is a difference of what Georgia has done versus what other states have done. And I, so far, I, I, I really do like it. I think it holds us accountable for the entire experience, which um, I think is better for patients, to be honest with you. And those other four licenses now, do they have to get their feedstock from your, you or the other company or are they able? Well, yeah, they, they would be producing their own stock. Now, if, if they were interested in maybe carrying our products or something like that, we would be open to considering doing that. Um, but as far as we know at this point, these are a couple of them are companies that operate in other states. And a couple of them are actually companies that were like botanical sciences, which were from Georgia and uh, you know coming out of the ground uh, to produce just in our state. Okay, and then do they get to grow also, process, or yes. do they, oh, they do? Yeah, so yeah they do. A, that's they, a completely verbal license. Correct, okay. correct. The exact same type of license, they're just considered a class two is a, uh, they call it a 50,000 square foot canopy capacity. And the class ones, like what we possess, is 100,000 square feet of canopy capacity. So um, double the size, um, double the production and that type of thing. So there, that's why there's only two of us in the, in the state. And now, I mean, this is a medical program, so therefore patients have to register, get a card. And so how many people total are registered in the state right now? <laughs> well, um, it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, it's good to understand the context before I give you the, the whole thing. Sure. So uh, leading up into the uh, middle of this summer, uh, the Department of Health for the state of Georgia has been man managing the patient registry, they call it. And that number that they've been quoting to all of us, the, the, the license holders and all the other constituents and stakeholders, was 30,000 patients. And somehow it got exposed um, earlier this summer that, that that number was actually overstated, um, overstated by nearly double the number of patients. So right now, yeah, yeah. So um, there's actually somewhere between 13 and 15,000 patients on the registry. Now, that number is growing. 
we are seeing it in our dispensaries. The numbers are increasing week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter. Um, but just the mere fact that there was not a really good control over the, the patient registry didn't instill a ton of confidence in us. Um, and so the Department of Health is the agency of the government that actually issues the cards. The way that the process works in Georgia is a, you would go to your doctor, um, whether that be your family practitioner or even a telemedicine doctor, and they, um, through an evaluation of your medical history and, and your qualifications against the, 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 the diseases that are on the state's uh, list, would then make a recommendation, not a prescription, a recommendation for you to receive your cannabis card. That recommendation is essentially achieved by them in, entering your name into the Department of Health portal. And then once that is uh, processed, within about 10 to 14 days, you'll be able to go pick up your your card. And is that of is there some sort of a cost to the patient or not a cost? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the patient will experience, um, obviously, the expense of going to their physician to have that consultation. That varies, as you would know. But the state's fee is very nominal. It's $25 to have a card. That card lasts for two years. So um, not a lot of money. Um, not super convenient at the moment because the patient still has to go to a local Department of Health to go pick up their card. That's something I think will likely change in the next legislative session to make it easy on folks, just the same way that you get your driver's license or your voter registration card. It gets mailed to you. Um, so that's what we're, we're hoping for in the next session as well. And if you do have, there, are there restraints on how you can promote or advertise? And when I say promote, advertise, I know you can educate, but can you, with, with that number of people that are participants, it seems to me as if, the word's just not out yet. You know what I mean? I would think yeah. as big as Georgia, you would literally have five times that amount of patients. Yeah. But that's and because it, people, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, the expectation that the state had for the first 12 months was that we would be somewhere close to 100,000 patients. So you can see the discrepancy. Now that, that, that assumption was built off of the fact that we were starting with 30 and not 15. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it is growing. Um, you know, what we do find ourselves in a very unique position is that the state has not done a tremendous job of promoting the awareness about these products in our state. And is so it we, on the state to do that or is it up to the licensees? Well, it, it, it appears it's entirely up to us. Um, and I'm, I'm just, you know, was hoping for a little more partnership in that regard because the state does tend to benefit from this as well. But, you know, without holding our breath for anything like that, we are going about creating the awareness as best we can um, to make sure that the patients, number one, are aware and that the providers are also aware that this is um, a legal product for patients, especially, you know, many of the ones that, that you're familiar with. But I'll recite here, you know, cancer patients, MS patients, um, any neuromuscular disease, uh, PTSD and anxiety uh, generalized pain that is intractable in nature. So there's a whole host of conditions that think there's 17 total conditions on the, on the state's list. And we expect that to increase. Now, um, you know, getting the word out through podcasts like yours and, and other forms of media has been our, our primary way to do it. You know, we don't have unlimited funds to go do, you know, marketing campaigns and the like. So we're doing a lot of education, a lot of grassroots uh, messaging and marketing. 
um, with physician groups through the pharmacies, as, as I mentioned earlier, um, they've been a great channel to get the word out. So we're just very excited about the prospects and the, the market is growing. It's just not growing at the pace that the state anticipated, nor, nor did we. Sure. And I think part of that might be, is, is definitely the word, getting the word out. Now, I, I, I don't know if you heard a couple of weeks ago that the, the Senate passed a bill, though it's still got to be passed by the Congress, that is going to allow VA doctors to actually write recommendations now. And for yeah. veterans who are utilizing cannabis, that would not stop them from having access to their VA benefits. Yeah. So what do, you, what do you think about that? Because that's something that, that is, that's, a, that's a part of the population that, you know, really, 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 I believe, needs access to cannabis. 100%. And that is actually incredible news. I, I was aware of it. And, you know, just by evidence at uh, the last opening we did where you attended, uh, where we were celebrating Veterans Day, just the number of veterans who showed up and quite honestly haven't had access, legal access to these products. It's just when you see it and you talk to these folks uh, about the importance of this therapy and their treatment, um, it's heartwarming and it's sad at the same time because they haven't been able to get legal access to these products up until now. Um, and so maybe this is a sign that things are going to change at a, at a broader level. You know, I think we're all aware of you know what was proposed by the Department of Health and Human Services to reschedule. You know, it seems like there's some momentum behind this, but again, um, I could only hope that those changes come to fruition in the new year. And I can only hope that, you know, they come quicker because again, those same veterans have access to these other products that are in the marketplace that are deleterious to the health, I think. Right. Some of the products that are out there that we know, you know, they, they try something and say, well, cannabis doesn't work. Well, no, the kind of cannabis you were using doesn't work. Doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't work overall. Um, right. Do you, do you feel like there's any any movement at the federal level that other than this what we just saw with the Senate? And I find it really strange that the Senate would pass that bill yeah. and still on another side of their mouth say, our cannabis doesn't work. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it is crazy. There's a lot of hypocrisy, as you know, that just goes on in general. And I don't think people are, are maliciously doing it. I think there's just you know, when right before things change is where you see, and this will cut across any industry, is when you see kind of like the the craziness going on. And I think that's what we're in the middle of right now is the majority of people in this country want and expect these products to be made available at a minimum for medicinal purposes, right? I think the last, the last poll that I just saw a couple of weeks ago was that it's at 92% of Americans right. believe that cannabis should be made legal or at least medically available. 70, finally, for the first time in history, we've now broken 71, 72% right. of the American population believes that it should be just made legal, period. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's great. So, I mean, you have the overwhelming support of the population, you know, wanting this, and then you have elected and appointed officials who are grappling with how to, how to make it work um, and to go back on maybe some of the positions that they previously took. So it's kind of a crazy time. Um, but I do feel like we're pioneering a bit in that way. And look, maybe we'll look back in a few years from now, maybe five years from now, and there will be, you know, broad based acceptance across the country um, and availability of these products across the country for veterans and for patients of all kinds and letting adults make decisions for themselves and not necessarily having the government make it for them. 
You know, I, I can tell you, it's really, I, I think it's what's so interesting about botanical sciences is what you started with when you said it's, it's for patients by a doctor, a doctor who has got a history in this, uh, in pain management uh, that spans 20 years. Yep. And, you know, I think it's the kind of voice that needs to be heard on the national level. Is Dr. Fowler thinking about doing anything from a lobbying standpoint? to the federal government. And, you know, of course, you you got me if you need me to go up there and yeah. help on there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it's definitely something we should take advantage of um, in the sense that, you know, our purpose is to create legitimacy, if you want to call it that, behind this type of a business, especially in the state of Georgia. Um, like you said, having Dr. Fowler and his broad-based experience of working for one of the most prestigious health systems in the country as a pain practitioner and then going off on his own and seeing how these products could have more or less, you know, been used in place of many of the very serious opioid type drugs that he was utilizing as, in his armament, um, you know, really says a lot, right? Because for somebody to make that transition and to go from, let's call it the traditional pharmaceutical environment to things that are plant-based um, as a, as a go-to. Now, I'm not suggesting that there isn't a place for those types of drugs in medical practice. That's not what I'm saying. But as you know, the overuse of those of those types of drugs has been what's created the problem and the lack of education and awareness of the use of cannabis for the purpose of treating pain and treating some of these other severe disease states. Um, in addition to just generalized symptoms, I mean, look, I mean, who doesn't know somebody that is suffering from pain or insomnia or anxiety? I think that covers the gamut of almost every person walking the face of the earth. I, so often, I, I, often, I often say people who gravitate to cannabis, whether they think it's for medical reasons or not, if they stopped and checked themselves, they would recognize that almost everybody yep. who gravitates to cannabis does so for medical reasons, whether it's to relax when you come home, right. whether it's to relieve your stress, whether it's to sleep better, whether yep. it's to relieve a little pain. Those are all medical reasons. And I think, um, you're, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're exactly right. That's the exact same way that we think about it as well. And, and again, when you talk to patients, and that's where we put our true north is, what do patients say? And patients you know, are taking these products and they're getting the benefits that they weren't getting from taking the traditional pharmaceuticals, as an example. So you know, it's, in, it's in the results. It's in the outcomes. And I think as our country takes on more of a, a, a you know, I, I would say an open-minded view, about it and does the necessary studies, I think you're going to start to see more double-blind, placebo-based studies that are going to show that this is truly doing what everybody thinks it is doing. Absolutely. And, and, and why should it not be another arrow in the quiver? Nobody's telling you to, nobody's telling you to dump your whole quiver out and get rid of everything else and just put cannabis in. We're just saying that give that as another alternative or another option for a patient who's in need. That's right. That's right. And look, at the end of the day, it's nobody's fault. I mean, uh, no medical doctor, for the most part, was even trained on the cannabinoid system and how it relates to the use of medicinal cannabis. It's all been anecdotal um, research that they may have done on their own or through their own personal experience. So I think when that starts to change in our country, you're going to see the mindset change in, in a more holistic way. Absolutely. And I think that's where, where it becomes very coming. You know, one of the things I, I've been saying for years now, and I've been involved in this industry for over 20 years, is that one of the things that we do 
really well at is B2B. You know, uh, there's there's a plethora of information out there to help you get, uh, you know, a grow started, to help you get a, a, a processing plant started. But we don't do such a great job B2C. And I'm not talking about botanical sciences. I'm talking about just as an industry at whole. You know, we, we literally, I think everybody went, you know, we hit 2018, 19, and we got all these states. And now 2023, we got, what, 37 states in the District of Columbia now that all have some form of cannabis law. So everybody kind of wiped their brow and said, oh, yeah, we're moving ahead. But then we forgot to educate the consumer. And we take a look at what Big Pharma has done for the last 20 years. That's all they do is shove products down the consumer's throat all day long. If I turn on my television right now, I guarantee I'll turn it on and there'll be an ad. And now they'll let them advertise those drugs, but they will not let us advertise ours, which is it seems just crazy to me. Yeah. And, you know, look, those types of things also, I think, it, again, I think we're in this change period where, look, if it changes federally, you're going to see companies that are coming from big pharma and big alcohol, big tobacco, the large industrial companies and industries that have existed for years are going to jump in with both feet. That's my two cents, because they see an opportunity um, to not get disintermediated right? Because cannabis has taken away a lot of the folks who've drank alcohol for years. Cannabis is starting to eat into pharmaceutical companies' profits in some way, shape, or form. Not just here in the United States. I'm here. To, I, just, I just read a story that blew my mind about the fact that around the world, yes. the consumption of wine is down, I think, 16% to a point that it's at a, almost a dangerous tipping point. Because yep. of also because of climate change and other things that have been happening, you know, the impact on vineyards around the world has been devastating to some other right. places. You know, the new climates have actually uh, given birth to, you know, new successful wineries. However, the yep. overall consumption of those kinds of spirits is down, I think, between nine and 12 percent. The yep. overall consumption of spirits is down somewhere around 60 percent. And so. You know, people are starting to recognize around the world. It's the rest of the world. When China is now, you know, somebody told me recently that they probably have close to a million acres of hemp being grown in China right now. A million in South Africa. There's a couple of places then. There's a company there, um, Afrohelios, which is a company that has a million hectares of property just for growing wow. cannabis and growing hemp. And in Colombia, you know, Columbia. And now and there, in the last two years alone, I think there's been well over 200 companies that have pulled out of the UN treaty that stopped and banned mm -hmm. the, the uh, exportation and importation of hemp and now are doing so. So the rest of the world is getting ready to jump, has already jumped two feet into this. Yeah. America's got to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, I, that to me gives us promise also that, you know, when you see things changing around you now, we're not necessarily Europe or any other continent for that matter. But um, I do think that many of these big companies in large industries are sitting on the sidelines just waiting for the federal prohibition to go away before they engage. And that's a good thing. You know, look, the writing is on the wall. It's coming. I think some of those that you think are sitting on the sideline have their little private, you know, top secret laboratories already producing products, getting ready so that if anything changes, they can jump in with two yeah, things. Yeah, I, I would uh, I'd play some money on that bet. Yeah, I would too, I'm telling you. And, you know, the botanical science is looking to expand in other states. 
Well, look, I mean, you know, we're very much focused on the state of Georgia. We're from Georgia. We're Georgia grown. We're pr- we proudly wear that Georgia grown symbol. Um, mm-hmm. But as you're aware, you know, one of the last uh, groups of states in the country that have yet to go through the process are in the South. So you've got the states of North Carolina and South Carolina and Tennessee and Kentucky that just legalized medicinal cannabis. But those others haven't even gone through uh, the formal process yet. It's it's been in their legislatures, um, hasn't passed. So, and, and, and a lot of those states that hasn't passed, the black market in those states is robust, yeah, booming, thriving. Yeah. I mean, I go to Tennessee. I've got family in Tennessee, and I know that there is a black market right. in Tennessee. But I, I, for me, and I've been a consumer of cannabis products for over twenty years. I can't bring myself to buy anything off the street. I can't right. because I have no idea how they're processing this. And you know, a lot of people don't even recognize, don't even remember that it was the South. People think that Humboldt County in California has always been the leader in cannabis. That's not true. It was mm-hmm. Kentucky, Tennessee, those areas of the country that had the cornbread mafia that yeah. had some of the biggest busts in cannabis in American history. Mm-hmm. A lot of what we thought was we coming in the United States from Mexico was really coming from Kentucky <laughs> and had always been coming from Kentucky. So yeah. it's not like America hasn't known this for a long time. It's just that we are just now starting to let some of the truths come out. Yeah. And look, and as they go through their process, in fact, a couple of those states that I mentioned, um, they've actually reached out to our Canvas Commission uh, proactively. And as they were starting to form their their process or their bill that would go through the the legislature, they wanted to talk to um, our state and then also a a, a company like us uh, specifically to see how we're doing things. That's very flattering, right? Um, if a state potentially is going to model or potentially model some of its legislature off of how we're doing things, um, I would be honored to be able to do that. Now that doesn't earn us the right to be able to sell products in those states, but if the opportunity were to present itself in the future, we would certainly entertain it. And be willing, would you be willing to partner up with some groups to help them get started? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I have walked through your facility and thought that that's one of the finest facilities I've seen in the country. Thank you very much, we, we appreciate it. We take great pride in it. And uh, as you know, it's been a work in progress for a few years, but uh, we're up and running. Sir, and now I'm just just with your crystal ball on. I mean, what, how do how do you think the Fed's going to, you know, change its attitude, or is it going to change the? Could you crystal ball and get an idea of when you think federal legalization or federal decriminalization or federal descheduling? Hey, give well, me an idea of what you think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're anybody in this industry is trying to put their their Karnak hat on now and and figure out what the future holds, but. You know, coming into a presidential election year, um, knowing that this um, position was already taken by the Department of Health and Human Services to reschedule the position to the DEA to reschedule uh, cannabis is a big deal. Um, And I know that, you know, you can't overstate that. Um, The one thing that I do know is that there isn't an example where the HHS has made a formal recommendation to DEA that has not been accepted. Um, so that makes me feel good that there is change afoot, that something is going to happen here and that will materially create the, the momentum behind this industry. Obviously that's also that, that optimism was reflected in a lot of the public cannabis company stocks 
when this news first came out in August. Um, so I think everybody believes something is there to happen. Um, I do believe if we're going to see it, it's going to happen in the first quarter of 2024 so that at least the Biden administration could get some nice uh, tailwinds from potentially making that move. Well, I mean, uh, and, and, and I'm not, this is not an aspersion when I say it, but we know for a fact that the Biden administration through Kamal Harris and Biden himself, you know, right before the election in 2020, of course, they stepped up to the place. So as soon as we get an office in the first hundred days, we're going to make some significant changes to campus. I was like, shit, but you know what I'm However, <laughs> however, however, they're going to make that promise again. And I have a feeling this time around that the constituents of America or you know, the yeah. voting public is going to hold them to the fire this time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. And, you know, again, I don't think that uh, particular recommendation is can, can be, you know, understated enough. It's like, wait a second, you literally are going to change the read the schedule from a one to a three. And that opens this entire market up to all of those types of businesses that were maybe sitting on the sidelines who were concerned about that schedule one kind of connotation. And I can tell you just from interacting with, you know, providers around our state, it's still like, oh, they're a little taboo about, hey, it's a schedule one, um, even though, like you said earlier, everybody we know is either consuming it or has consumed it or is thinking about consuming the products. Um, so there's just a ton of hypocrisy, in my opinion, um, that's going on. But at the same time, we're going through this great time of change. And when that happens is where you see the most activity. And that's what we're experiencing at the moment. So I'd like to think it's all going to come to fruition in uh, in 24, which is really exciting. If people wanted to get more information about botanical sciences, where would they go? Yeah, um, we've got a great website, botanicalsciences.com. Uh, we try to be um, a, a portal and a hub for information and education about cannabis. Um, and if anybody has any particular needs or interest, we've got an opportunity for them to free form questions to us as well. So, uh, we just appreciate the opportunity to serve, uh, the patients of the state of Georgia. I just want to give you one chance to one more chance to amplify something else that you said, when you talk about education, you are already affiliated or at least partnering up with several different universities in Georgia. Are you not? Yeah, we are. Um, we're actually affiliated with two historically black uh, colleges in Georgia that we went to uh, partner with going into the RFP process. Um, and also uh, other major universities, Georgia Southern University in, in South Georgia as well, just on the agricultural side. So we're super excited about, you know, the prospects of being able to do things with universities to, again, further legitimize and bring this industry to the mainstream. Um, as it continues to unfold for our country. So I, I'd like to think we're going to be taking a leadership position as a company and a state. We're the eighth most populous state in the country. I know a lot of people may not believe that, but there's over 11 million people in Georgia. So uh, I think we can make a difference together. Absolutely. Anything else what you want to ask, sir? No, this has been great. I, I'm so appreciative of everything you've done, Montel. <laughs> Um, your advocacy for this industry, your advisement to our company. Um, and without voices like you and what you represent, um, you know, this industry would be way, way far behind. So uh, thank you for that on behalf well, of everybody. Well, thank you, too. And I thank you so much for recognizing and allowing me to be a part. I can't wait to get our products, you know, in your facilities. And I can't wait to come down there and try to do more education if I can. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me.
For sure. Absolutely, sir. And if you want more information, make sure you look up botanicalsciences.com. Is that right? That's right. Botanicalsciences.com. Thank you so much, Gary Long, for being Thank a part you. of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. And thank you for tuning in today to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.